In an extensive survey published late last year, the Global Workplace and Occupancy Insights Report for 2022 to 2023, CBRE found that occupiers these days want their offices to talk back. That is, there's a rising desire for tech-enabled space and data to drive efficiency and productivity. On this episode, we'll talk about these findings, along with other trends in occupancy management and design, sitting down with the CEO of a company that's steeped in this new wave and has been helping create cutting-edge workplaces for 75 years. People go to the office uh, for culture, go to the office to feel part of something bigger. And the way you design your office, which includes the furniture, uh, becomes a tool to create those conditions. That's Franco Bianchi, the chief executive officer of Hayworth, a private family-owned business that was founded in 1948 by a former industrial arts teacher, G.W. Hayworth. Franco moved from his native Bologna, Italy in 2002 after Hayworth acquired the Italian firm he previously worked for. Franco has served in his current role since 2005, and the company has grown into a $2.5 billion enterprise. Coming up, we head to Holland, Michigan in the headquarters of a world leader in interior design and contract furnishings. A conversation about functionality, furniture, and the future of work. I'm Spencer Levy, and that's right now on The Weekly Take. Welcome to The Weekly Take, and I'm delighted to be sitting here today with Franco Bianchi, the CEO of Hayworth, one of the largest furniture manufacturers in the world. Franco, thanks for joining the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's going to be fun. It is. Absolutely. And Franco, why don't you tell our audience who you are and what you do? Okay, well, Franco Bianchi, I'm the CEO of Hayworth, as you just said. Uh, some of the audience will pick up my my very small Italian accent uh, because I'm from Italy. I'm born and raised there, lived uh, 35 years in Italy, five years in Paris, uh, and now since 20 years in the U.S., in little uh, Holland, Michigan, center of the world. Absolutely the center of the world where we are today. So... Uh, we've had a lot of shows, uh, Franco, on the office and uh, from a variety of angles, from a leasing angle, from an owner, from an occupier. But you have a very different angle, which is related to that, which is the furniture that goes into those offices. So how's it going? What, what have been some of Hayworth's biggest challenges you've seen over the last couple of years? Yeah, let me frame a little bit of what Hayworth is today. Yes. Hayworth, in 2022, just clo- we just closed our books, uh, $2.5 billion, We grew almost 30% uh, uh, compared to 2021. Uh, Two-thirds of our numbers are pretty much office. Office, education, healthcare, the world of work, you know, something work from home, uh, so the world of work in general. I usually say uh, to my folks and to clients, work uh, yesterday uh, was a location, the office. Today, work is a verb. Since uh, technology has really created uh, the ability to work from anywhere, uh, now we have to interpret, uh, really, we really focus on the office, but what we continuously focus on is work, the action of work. And if you think about work that way, you find a lot of places where people do work, which creates a challenge on the office as a location, uh, but opens a lot of opportunities on work as a verb. Specifically on the office, uh, we win when we are able to engage clients on what means to create the best environment for people to want to be there because they 
don't have to be there anymore to do their work. So to want to be there and to do their best work. And I think, uh, I believe part of our growth is, has been the ability of interact that way. Give me some of the things you try to do to make people want to be there. And then we'll go into the second question about the productivity angle. We have a lot of conversation around uh, why people, particularly in big city where mobility takes time, uh, why people should dress up and go to a place called office, taking two hours commute uh, going and back. And I love to tell you that buy Hayward furniture and will body, everybody will be in the office. It's probably, but certainly the quality of the environment uh, uh, is an important part of it. People go to the office uh, for culture, go to the office to feel part of something bigger. And the way you design your office, which includes the furniture, uh, becomes a tool uh, to create those conditions. Second, the environment is changing. Let me make one example. Uh, the conference room. The conference room is a large table with some fancy chairs around it. And that big table is there to do what we are doing right now, talking to each other, looking at each other. Well, today, office, no matter in what business, has probably a large portion of the audience of that meeting coming from a screen on the side. That big table often is kind of in the way. So having the ability of engaging the client to make changes in the office that make people more conducive to, to say, you know, I actually work better by being in the office than being from home because many people from home work from their kitchen counter, which after a few hours is not exactly the most ergonomic or the most satisfactory place to work. So creating a best environment where people want to be is clearly much bigger than the physical environment itself, what we can impact on. Uh, but it has a lot to do with the physical environment. It's about safety, it's about uh, configuration and product typology, it's about variety, uh, and I think that we can impact that pretty significantly. Well, you use the word ergonomically, and um, the world has changed from a sea of cube farms where people had uh, uncomfortable chairs to one where they had desks that go up and down, that have chairs that have different functionality about it. Talk about ergonomics and, for yeah. our, and how that impacts it. Let me say, first of all, it's about variety. It's about, uh, you know, at home, uh, you know, I keep comparing to home. At home, you're going to have very few places to work from and not really a variety because you're not going to work likely from your bedroom. In the office, we, you have the ability as a company to showcase a very large variety of application, we would say, which have different level of privacy, different level of sound absorption, different level of ergonomy, different level of support, different level of integration with technology, according to what you will actually have to do. Mm -hmm. That variety is the power that I think is one of the elements that will bring people more to the office. Your point about height adjustable table or ergonomic chair, it's an absolutely good one. I can tell you we sell probably 70% of our desking now height adjustable. A few years ago, height adjustable desks uh, were a premium and where in order for a user to have height adjustable desk, they had to come with a medical ordinance <laughs> with a certificate. Uh, today, the premium is moderate, number one, and number two has become a standard. So that's Great point. Ergonomy is certainly a component. And when we go to the concept of wanting, we talked about where the variety is probably 
a key concept there. But when we go to the concept of productivity, it's a different concept. It's how do they do their best work in that? And so I told a funny story to you, Frank, on the way down here uh, of a meeting I did once in Tel Aviv where uh, the company showed me a video. They put me in these big, large, comfy leather chairs, and I uh, <clears throat> fell asleep. Okay, first and only time I ever fell asleep in a meeting. It's not going to happen today, but it, it raises the point of being perfectly comfortable is not necessarily the best way for productivity. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's, it's a great comment. In the short term, I truly say tailoring spaces through that variety, tailoring spaces to the action, to the task that you will perform is how to create best work. And it's a combination of uh, every element that you have around you, the condition you have to feel safe to be productive. And I'm not talking about security, you know, say, but like about a feeling good that nobody, for example, is walking by you because you will not be concentrated or soundproof, sound absorption, or as I said, access to technology or privacy, you know, having the right uh, set for the right task mm -hmm. is creating the best productivity. When you're thinking about furniture and obviously a chair, it's an individual thing, but we're talking about something different now. We're talking about a collective thing where if one person comes back and they're comfortable, that doesn't solve the issue. What solves the issue is everybody being comfortable. Talk about that because we're in a conference room right now, like most conference rooms, every chair here is the same. Are you seeing people mix it up? Yeah, yeah yes, uh, Maybe not necessarily within the conference room, but like more and more, this idea of multiple application is becoming a standard. I usually say there are two doors. The doors where you have figured out everything, you the client, you the designer, you come in, you buy the chair. But there is a second door where you involve us on why, on the business goal that you have in mind, the culture that you want to foster. And you make us part of that why, of that problem, so we can actually, together with your designer, your you know, property consultant, with the leadership of the company, we can be part of that conversation so we can help you dial in the best variety, the best solution, the best set of solution to achieve that goal. You just mentioned bringing in the leadership of the company, and the word culture comes right to me. The impact on culture is something that you're the CEO here. You care deeply about. How does that impact furniture decisions? Yeah, I truly think that uh, the quality of the environment is one tool in your hand as a leader to facilitate, to foster, to accelerate or, or, or decelerate uh, the amount of communication, the amount of control, the amount of creativity, the amount of involvement of your team. And you can literally point out uh, uh, culture to space in a very scientific way. Companies that have a very strong collaborative culture will have environment that, that are meaningfully different than companies that have a very hierarchical, control-oriented, top-down culture. The level of their privacy will be different. Their approach to open office will be completely different. The amount of enclosed and even when they do conference room, they will do different conference room. The story goes that Buying furniture costs exactly the same way if you use it as the cute piece of furniture or if you use it as tool to make your business better, tools to reinforce your culture. And I, I have a lot more fun when I'm in the room participating to this second goal. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about the uh, culture again, but now in a 
international context about the differences in return to work in Asia and Europe. And obviously there's different places that are uh, going to return at different levels, but uh, there are different cultures. Um, and so if you're working for the same company and you're doing an office for them in Asia, Europe, US, how might you change your thinking about furniture design? That's a great comment. Is that, and actually, it has changed. I remember, you know, I'm Italian. I moved here 20 years ago. Some client 20 years ago were applying the same, particularly, I would say, some American client who take exactly the same footprint, often exactly the same product, and multiply it around the world. Mm -hmm. Today, nobody is doing that. Today, very much, I, we find much more attention to the local culture and much more attention in tailoring spaces to the demand or the requirement, sometimes of the country, sometimes of the office. So this balance between efficiency and effectiveness, you know, if the pendulum was very much towards efficiency a few years ago, now the pendulum is very much towards effectiveness. One of the things that we talk about in the office sector is this flight to quality, flight to new. And uh, I've seen some of the highest fit-out costs I've ever seen, uh, over $600 a foot in some projects. Um, so recognizing that we don't know where office is going to finally shake out in terms of how much office space people are going to want. Some people clearly already want less. Um, some people want more co-working space. But there are clearly a lot of people moving up market. Uh, have you seen that, and how has that impacted your furniture decisions? Someone very smart told me once that the world today is really moving towards two extremes. Clients are looking for the lowest cost provider, kind of the commodity paid like a commodity, or the highest uh, premium uh, luxury element. The problem is when you are in the middle. What I tell my people that premium is actually not, doesn't mean expense. It doesn't need to be expense. Premium is the value. If we play our cards right, premium is the value that we add to our product so that we pass to our client. So the client appreciates that value and pays us a little more. Mm -hmm. And that could happen at a low price and it can happen at a very, very high price. Then the quality of the content, the originality of the piece, the uniqueness of the effort guides the absolute price. But even in absolute price, the premium is not only if it's gold-plated or not, let me say, is am I delivering something, you mentioned beauty, but could be value-added, could be speed, because to different clients in different portions of the market, you will find different definition of premium. The importance of speed is certainly a characteristic and certainly uh, hopefully coming out of the pandemic now, um, certainly had some uh, supply chain issues. Have you worked through them and how you d deal with the speed of getting the furniture into the space issue? You've just said it very well. The last two uh, years, the word speed uh, uh, has been really painful, obviously. Certainly we have been challenged by supply chain complexity. One of the good things of the big A-world world is that we don't have a lot of cross-continent uh, uh, purchasing. So in many cases, we have done probably better than average. But fundamentally, we had a lot of supply chain instability, largely driven in our world by labor, by the complexity in flexing up and down uh, labor. You know, we grew quite extensively. And, and in 2022, we were challenged many of our business by the fact that we had the order, but we didn't have uh, all the labor all directly in our plant to a lesser degree, 
in many cases, in our supply. We didn't have all the labor to satisfy the demand. But anyway, so it's certainly mostly past. And I truly believe that speed is part of this broad picture of consumerism. We are used now, never like before, as as consumer, to have someone make it easy for us. This idea of I want it and I get it. So how can I want it in a clear, succinct, and quick way, and how can I get it as quickly? And maybe sometime, if I don't like it, can I give it away as quickly? And I'd say we all, you know, Hayworth, as I'm sure many other in our industry, we are all pushing that way. We all know that needs to be done. Now, the more tailored you are, the more that speed becomes even more complicated. I've noticed in the in, in all industries, there are concentrations of... Uh, some of your good competitors here in the Grand Rapids area. It's well known as headquarters of a lot of furniture companies. I don't know who they are. We don't don't know who they are. are. But there's also in the manufacturing in North Carolina as another example. But this clustering thing helps everybody. It creates an ecosystem where you have the ability to leverage off of others. Do you agree with that? No, absolutely, absolutely. There's no doubt. It's actually, to your point, is, uh, you know, economic uh, one-on-one. You see it in almost around the world, even in Italy, residential design or residential industry is clustered, or certainly a very large cluster around Milan. And there's no doubt office furniture, uh, the cluster in West Michigan is very powerful. And we have great competitor. And I still don't remember the name, but uh, we have great competitor around here. <laughs> That's great. So let's now talk about the convergence of technology and furniture. We talked about the simple technology of raising and lowering of a desk, but any other examples of how you've integrated technology into your furniture decisions? This is a great, actually, a great question. The impact of technology is very powerful, but actually, the way I see it, not that much in the product itself. Technology has really changed the way that we specify our product, that we facilitate the action of pre-purchase and purchase has facilitated our relationship with our dealers and the amount of information that we can, we can exchange, has facilitated the transparency that our dealer have uh, of our manufacturing and sourcing uh, uh, activities. When you get to the product, technology moves at the speed and furniture moves at a much lower speed. So I believe that you have to be careful to integrate too much so we have to be aware of technology when we design our product. Our product will always be, and more and more is, hosted in an environment or has to contribute to create an environment, a work, has to contribute to facilitate a work task where technology will be a profound player. Mm-hmm. But that's very different than say that our product needs to significantly change with embedded te- technology. Because... I love to tell you that our clients change uh, environment at the same speed uh, that they change uh, their PC or their video or their monitor. Unfortunately, they keep our furniture, you know, 10 year, 20 year, and they change their monitor every two. So if I embed, it becomes a problem. Well, we're we're sitting here in a conference room now uh, with a video screen next to us. Uh, We're seeing different advancements in video technology. I've even seen holograms where people are like physically sitting next to you virtually. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that are coming. And um, not saying that your furniture needs to have a hologram. That's exactly right. No, but that's exactly right. In the past, uh, 
you, you that, like the, from the simple example of cable management and data management are a standard uh, across multiple furniture applications. In the past, uh, cable management were fundamentally only in panels. Well, today they have to be everywhere, including lounges. A place to charge your phone, a typical example, uh, needs to be a lot more ubiquitous uh, today than it was yesterday. So that outlet can not only be in the panel, as we usually put it, but needs to be everywhere. Environment needs to be designed, your point about the Princess Leia hologram, you know, Star Wars. So we have to create environment that allow, to your point, that create, that, that put the workers in the best condition to experience that technology that, as I said, is drama- has dramatically obviously entered in the space. And I guess the internet of things, yeah. right? You mentioned the power cords, and I'm sitting here with yeah. power cords all over this desk, but people are looking at utilization. And are you... Creating things that can help people measure that. Yeah, that's exactly. We actually partner with a couple of companies to because client pick the technology often as part of their building management system. They're not going to pick a technology that Hayworth invents. So we partner with multiple technologies that, for example, embed sensors in furniture, in sensor, in seating. So they can, as you perfectly said, they can literally know who is there. Or we partner with companies that allow to know what is the occupancy. Or partner with technology that allows you to reserve your space. And reserving your workstation, you can reserve a locker where you're going to put your stuff in a kind of co-working-like or or a non-assigned environment in terms of office. You mentioned that you team up with a lot of software and other companies to measure things. Tell us in a little bit more detail what kind of data you're being asked to try to measure and how you're going about doing it. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say broadly, it's all about presence, about uh, occupancy. Uh, but there are a lot more uh, conversation from the most basic, you know, there's a lot of storage. Have you ever opened a storage and discovered that in this, no, nobody's storing anything more? And what you store is actually normally not work-related stuff. Am I designing the space uh, intelligently? Am I buying the right stuff? Should I have less storage, more storage? In, for, to store what? Do I have the right real estate? I have too much real estate. Because when you do observation, physical observation or data-driven observation, I discover that 70% of my space is never utilized. And so maybe I can save real estate. These are more qualitative than quantitative application. You know, some conference rooms are not used anymore. Up to, what I like the most, engagement, where we are at the table, often with a, with a design firm, collecting all this data, the data that come from the sensor, the data that come from occupancy, the data that come from observation, and we bring our research, we bring our workplace strategies together with the architect, the designer, and the facility manager, and the real estate team, uh, together and together design that future of the office. That is not the future of the office, it's the future of work for that specific client that has that specific culture in that specific location. And when we are there, we move mountains. So inflation, we talked a little bit about the big picture, right? Cost, stuff costs more. Labor costs more. And I'm sure many of your furniture assignments are years in the making. How are you dealing with that when you see this massive cost increase in your uh, uh, your product? In the two-thirds of uh, offices, uh, 
We had a couple of interesting years where you said it very well. We work in a B2B environment. Many of us have uh, midterm contracts. So we had to work hard and uh, to explain to many of our clients why we needed not just a little more, but a lot more. I think our industry increased price multiple times in the last 24 months. Cost are significantly higher than uh, 2019. Labor within all those costs labor is a constant and inflation of labor is still going and it's not slowing down. There is basically very little to no unemployment and this puts a lot of pressure on labor and there is being a clearly flight of knowledge workers. So you want to keep your best, you're going to have to pay them and uh, and I want to keep my best. So we talked earlier about ergonomics and that's to me is a synonym or certainly a category of wellness, which is a part of ESG, uh, environmental, social, governance, that sort of thing. Tell us how the materials you use and uh, the supply chain length and other factors play into ESG in the furniture business. First of all, I truly think that the sliver of the of particular of the office furniture manufacturer was ahead of the pack in focusing um, very early on. Uh, on lead, on uh, environmental, on eliminating red label material. So I would say, honestly, I'm not here to talk about every one of my competitors, but I'd say a client, an occupier would find in our industry, the average is actually pretty good considering other industries. But within Hayworth specifically, you know, I became CEO in 2005. The very first thing that I did, uh, you know, we are private. We don't really announce any detail of the company. The only number that we share once a year is our top line. As I told you last year, 2.5 billion. That's the only number you're going to see of Hayworth. Mm -hmm. At the same time, since 2005, Hayworth takes a very transparent, deliberate approach in analyzing how much water we consume, you know, everywhere, how much fuel and gas, etc., and driving this idea of a journey to decarbonization that we started in 2005, we continue in a very deliberate way. You know, you go, if you have time to, you know, maybe you're going to fall asleep, don't sit on a super comfortable chair, but we issue our uh, CSR uh, reporting once a year with a lot of details, and you will see the journey we are in. So could I ask you a fun question, if I can? What are some of the fun things that you've installed? Like the, the funniest, not funniest, but the most interesting thing you might have installed, but something that was like the thing in 05 that just doesn't work today? Well, let me step back. First, the industry as we define today probably started in the mid-60s uh, when open plan, you know, the panel system was invented and probably didn't change that much uh, fundamentally until probably 10 years ago. I think we have seen more change uh, in the last 10 years that we have seen in the previous 50. And I don't think I'm off. So then in this journey, um, what we have seen, uh, every company has looked for unique uh, piece of furniture away from that panel environment, from that cubicle. And so within that uh, logic, I've seen like armoire that opens up and looks like a war station. Mm -hmm. I've seen armoire that you open up and look like there are beds in it. Uh, I've seen a, a war station with literally a bed that you can pull out and sleep in it. Uh, so I've seen, uh, I would say, odd ways, uh, but, you know, it's always odd when it doesn't work, but I say odd ways to create something uh, uniquely and different. 
So we just talked about how the change in the furniture business last 10 years, maybe more than the last 50. Let's look at the next 10 years. Where's the furniture business going? Yeah, I think it's very interesting. So I truly think that the office will look even more and more like this uh, kind of flexible um, variety, like a high-performance hospitality area. People will go to the office, not because they have to, but because we're going to create a good reason for them to go there. I believe, as I said, variety will be the key word and, uh, and quality. You mentioned before uh, this flight to quality on buildings. I believe there will also be a flight to quality on space uh, because if not, your people will not join. And it will not be just enough to give them the tiki bar or the alcohol at every hour of the day uh, solution. People will look for more and for better. I think uh, flexibility is kind of interesting. I, uh, we were talking before about business model. I would love for a client to take up, us up on uh, this idea, why we buy furniture, why I cannot rent you furniture and take it back at the end. It would be better for the environment, would be uh, simpler for you as a client. Why we cannot uh, flexibilize a long-term investment? And I think it's possible. I think our industry is designed for it, and certainly Hayworth uh, has programmed today to do it. But honestly, I don't have any takers, or very, very few takers. Uh, so um, I, I believe we are at the beginning of a big change. Well, there's the uh, concept of rent the runway. You could rent clothing um, if you want to, quote, rent the runway. So I see there is a market for the challenge, of course, is on the back end. What, what's the resale? What's the re-rent value of a chair, unless there's something super unique about that chair? Yeah, two point. Obviously, it's not like a car but there is a used furniture market at cents on a dollar, not like uh, maybe a car, used car. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I believe that uh, if we design product with a true circular economy uh, mindset, that we're going to create a secondary market where we see it today, it's still rare, and are mostly out of Europe. But we have some clients that are actually purposely asking us to buy used furniture from us. Or they ask us a portion of their buy being on second hand, you know, perfectly ergonomic, usable, guaranteed product, but not actually virgin, so to speak. I like to think it's a trend that is going to start to happen and will become more meaningful. So this is a little bit of a side note, but in the backyard of my house where I grew up in, we have three seats from the old Yankee Stadium just uh-huh. sitting there, right? And why do we get them? Because there are three seats from the old Yankee Stadium, right? So there are certain types of furniture, and that's technically furniture, that has value beyond its functionality. This is a different conversation, but in our residential, to stay with your parallel of the Yankee Stadium, in one of our companies, uh, I to be Italian, we make product that we say we basically sell for life. So we sell to you a very expensive coach, which is uh, made by hand, and 10 years out, 15 years out, we have your daughter that wants to fix it, send us the couch, and we clean it up, uh, and we refurbish it and send you back. And you will have uh, 200 years from now our couch uh, because we sell you a product, but we have embedded in our business model a way to take care of it as long as you want it. And I, th- I think uh, it's about uh, eliminating waste. Before recycle, there is reduce and reuse. Obviously, I don't like that much the reduce part because mm-hmm. I'm in business, right. but the reuse, uh, I believe, is a great opportunity. Great. So uh, any final thoughts, Franco? 
I truly think I'm, I'm optimist. The way I say the industry has never changed so much. Moment of a little shakeup, like, you know, certainly we had in the last couple of years, and I believe 23 with interest rate will probably be a little shakeup. A great moment of discontinuation is where I believe great opportunities are formed. So I'm very excited. We certainly have the optimism. Uh, I hope that doesn't look like crazy, but I'm very optimistic that moment of change are great uh, business opportunities. Certainly, that's how Hayworth is approaching uh, today. Great. Well, on behalf of the Weekly Take, I want to thank Franco Bianchi, the CEO of Hayworth, one of the largest furniture manufacturers in the world, coming to you straight from Holland, Michigan. Franco, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you. For more, please visit our website, cbre.com slash theweeklytake. We'll furnish you with links to the research we've touched on during the show, namely CBRE's 2022-2023 Global Workplace and Occupancy Insights Report. You can also look for other insights related to office construction, including CBRE's Global Fit-Out Cost Guide for 2023, which was the subject of last week's show. If you missed it, you'll find a link to that as well. Once again, our website is cbre.com slash theweeklytake. And archived episodes can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Join us again next week for a power topic, literally an episode on the energy industry and its impact on real estate. For now, we hope you'll share the show and also subscribe rate, and review the weekly take wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. I'm Spencer Levy. Be smart, be safe, be well.